You're listening to Common Ground YYC, a podcast dedicated to long-form, in-depth conversations with Alberta's most dynamic personalities, thinkers, newsmakers, and all-around mover and shakers. Your hosts are Sylvia Pical and Darren Krause. Welcome to Common Ground YYC. I am one of your co-hosts, Darren Krause, editor at LiveWireCalgary.com. This is our first episode of 2020, so Happy New Year to all of you listening out there. We have a great conversation queued up this month as my co-host, Sylvia Pical, editor of New Forum magazine, talks with the new Calgary Municipal Land Corporation CEO, Kate Thompson. Thompson takes over the role from former boss Michael Brown at a critical time for the organization. Work is already underway on three big projects related to the Rivers District Master Plan, which is, of course, the revitalization of the Victoria Park area where the Saddledome and Stampede Park are located. One of the great things I found about Sylvia's interview is that it doesn't just focus on the topic at hand, of course, which for many is the arena development. This conversation puts a face, a voice, a person who's steering these projects to the, to the conversation. These projects will change the face of Calgary. That's what Common Ground YYC is all about. Great conversations with the people who are leading our city, tackling issues, and shaping Calgary for the next generation. Enjoy the conversation. <laughs> joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for coming down. And I know that uh, technically you take over in 2020, but I still want to congratulate you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it's very exciting. Actually, it's next Friday, the official date, so Ooh. they've moved it up a little bit. So Ooh. Exciting times. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone ever ready for this? <laughs> absolutely. No, I. Uh, we've been working on what the succession plan is uh, for the upcoming, uh, for the staff and for all of us. So it was... Um, uh, a bit of a surprise, but also um, an exciting move for me and I think for the company. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So can you just start by telling me a bit about yourself and your journey to the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation? Absolutely. Um, as exciting as it is for people, I'll, I'll try to kind of give you a bit of background. I, I'm from Winnipeg and no, I will not tell you my whole life story mm-hmm. from Winnipeg on, but I think that informs kind of somebody who comes from away to here. And so I am from Winnipeg. I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Manitoba. And then I came out to Calgary to do my Master's of Architecture. So my undergrad is also in architecture. And so um, during that time, I actually was really lucky in my uh, studies uh, and fortunate to travel quite a bit. And so I've studied in France, in Italy, in Spain, and then um, in India as well. So uh, people joke that I had my master's by correspondence because one whole year I was gone. Um, but that's really, I think, informs um, who I am probably personally and professionally. And um, I came to Calgary to do my master's and then I actually left to go work in Italy. But I had met this Calgarian just before leaving. So he uh, kind of lured me back and he's now my husband and I have two young kids. So. I am uh, firmly rooted in Calgary. Uh, I've practiced and uh, for the last 15 years. Also, have always been a part of uh, the University of Calgary teaching. 
and that's something I really love. Um, and I was actually teaching at the University of Calgary and practicing architecture when a headhunter came and talked to me about CMLC, and I have to be completely honest, I didn't know what CMLC was, and um, I, but I went for coffee with her and we had a great talk, and the more she talked about it, the more I was interested, and then I thought, well, that's a complete, I, I met our current CEO actually at our first interview, and, I, and he said, well, why wouldn't you take this role? And I said, well, I'm happy. I'm teaching uh, architecture, which I love, and uh, practicing, and I, um, I have a good life, and it would be a bit of a game changer. And then he kind of paused and looked at me, and he said, yeah, it'll be a game changer, so you should do it. <laughs> and you know what? I, I don't like to say this too often, but he was right. <laughs> and uh, it has been an amazing ability to translate my background and into the work I'm doing today. Can you tell me about what led you to architecture? Absolutely. Um, I come from a family of uh, doctors and uh, teachers, and so I was the third child. My um, my older sister is a cancer surgeon. My older brother is a CFO. And so being third child, they didn't really care what I did. They just wanted me to do well. Uh, so I, I actually, we had, my parents had, uh, in Winnipeg, it was interesting, um, I actually learned the term teardown house when I moved to Calgary because in Winnipeg a lot of what happens is renovations and kind of improvements to your home. It's much more kind of um, uh, the economy favors that. So uh, when my parents did a renovation to their home, they had this wonderful architect who I think it must have been about 10 or 11 who sat us down at the dining room table and he let me uh, come and sit at the table and then he let me draw over the drawings. I think he was just humoring me so I would kind of uh, be good at the table but he was really an inspiring and kind gentleman and he I think it was an eye-opener for me that there was other professions and other things to do and I'd always loved art and math and kind of I did it my first year of university and I thought well I'll just do it for one year and if I don't like it then I can do something else you know kind of go back into the sciences or something and I, I loved it the first year and then I just kept kept staying in and uh, really found that I enjoyed the combination of design and um, practicality and so uh, style and function <laughs> and um, it just kind of took off from there so but it was truly the, um, the the architect that my parents worked with back in the day kind of opening my eyes and then people along the way friends of family who kind of walked me through different studios architecture studios and I got to see what that meant um, because it was a bit of an abstract thought of what is an architect and so you know, I have friends who have kids who are interested in architecture. I try to do the same because, it, again, it's it's not a common profession for a lot of people. So I was glad to have that kind of door open to me. And what was it like for you when you, because you joined CMLC in 2013 mm -hmm. and you pivoted to development. Yes. What was that like? <laughs> it was, uh, I called it... Um, I think it's, I liken it to learning a new language. Mm. So it was a steep learning curve. But you know, the fundamental principles uh, of anything are problem solving, and, and that's, I think, what architects do, and that's kind of a good design training also gives you that as well. So this job is a lot of um, problem solving and uh, communication and dealing with people. So the, the kind of the fundamentals, uh, I think I had, and I definitely had to build on. Um, but one thing I did learn is that when you're in one profession, and I don't think it really matters what profession it is, you become 
uh, very focused on that profession and what that profession does. But I think my move to be um, an owner, client, or developer, whichever the, the hat is that I'd be wearing, you realize that it's a part of a larger picture, and it's really important, but so are the other pieces of the puzzle. And so for me, that was a really interesting moment to say, yes, architecture is really important, and I still believe it today. Um, but I also know how important financing is and how important the, the uh, programming and the marketing is as well. So um, I think I, I just got a different view and a different lens of the whole experience. And obviously, it's been such a transformative time for the city, yes. for East Village. Yeah, for sure. What would you say are maybe your career highlights or what you're most proud of? I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, one thing that's really amazing is that uh, the impact that we've been able to be a part of with CMLC, I'm so glad I met that headhunter for coffee and I said yes, um, because it has been uh, an amazing ability to have impact and influence with, um, with along with Calgary, to, to kind of shape it and allow it to grow. I, I, some of my favorite um, moments, um, you know, I have to say, just my my team here at CMLC is a really, I'm really proud of that team and what we've been able to do together. And so it's not one singular moment, but collectively we've brought on some amazing people um, over the years that have contributed to all this. And so my relationships with them are really foundational to what I think has been super successful. So that's been great. So check that, it's fantastic. But I can't, you know, one of my the moments that I think felt really that this was going to be impactful was the night before the flood. Uh, we was the deadline for the architects and the prime design consultants to submit their uh, their proposals for the new central library, and that was we received them. It was like Christmas on our boardroom table. We unpackaged all these beautiful um, proposals that everyone had gone over the top with their models and with with their. Um, uh, wrapping of their proposals so it just kind of felt like I was looking around there was 38 international teams that had proposed uh, for the project and I thought what an amazing opportunity to be involved in this and I knew right then it was going to be great I didn't know who we would choose uh, that were on that uh, boardroom table but I knew that I shouldn't forget that moment because it was kind of it was a seminal part and that was in 2013 when I started and then again just walking through the building nearing completion when it was completely empty I actually took my parents through and walked them through and it wasn't yet open yet and it was kind of to see them see the building uh, for the first time uh, completed felt really uh, amazing. Um, I find anytime I take anyone to the new central library there's that moment of complete awe when you walk in. Yes. It's like you're in a cathedral. Yeah. And I get that feeling every time I go there. It's That's fantastic to hear. <laughs> well, and it feels, I think it feels really good that Calgary, and for, you know, I have to say many decades before I even thought of understanding what CMLC was, there were people who advocated for the library and projects like that do not happen alone. You're definitely standing on the shoulders of others. And so uh, you kind of feel that in, in that space too. Like it's bigger than one person and bigger than even the team that built it. So yeah, it feels very special. But you know, even the, the little things are, I love our community garden. Um, I, I love the little moments. Uh, you know, I can't walk through East Village without seeing all the little stories. Probably a lot of people don't notice what I notice or our team notices, but yeah, it's all the little things that add up and collectively create this this uh, neighborhood. Like the pieces of art and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think 
I, I mean, kudos to the founders of CMLC that started before me that it was, art was a big part of it. And I know public art can be quite controversial, uh, especially right now in Calgary. But I think if done well, it, it does animate and it does provide a great backdrop for, for life. And I think um, we put in some excellent pieces early days and they're standing the test of time. So it's, it's really good to see. I'd say that you were a natural successor to the role because you've been the vice president of development for <laughs> right. the last for many years. But yes. you mentioned you were surprised. I, w- I was more surprised when Mike said he was leaving. So that was, um, yeah. uh, and he, he did the right thing by not telling anyone beforehand, but I think um, I, knew th- I knew something, a change would happen in, in probably the future. I just didn't know how close it would be. So, And I was, um, I was happy that the board supported um, going with a succession plan and, and uh, selecting me, for sure. And as when you begin, like what... There is a vision for the New Rivers district. Does that change at all when you take over? Will you add your own spin to it? I think everyone adds their own personality to a role. I think the good thing about CMLC is um, that we're doing well right now. Um, in some ways, it's always great for a CEO to come in and have the have the company in, you know in dire straits so they can come in as the savior. I'm not in that role. Um, I'm coming in and um, holding the, the steering wheel and, and charting forward uh, so, because it's it, we're, it's going well. I think you'll probably notice uh, with any new leader you get changes. Um, I obviously have a design background and that's something near and dear to my heart and that won't change but you know you know in my role as VP that also became a really big part of CMLC as well so it'll be a continuation of that and it'll, it'll be an expansion on some of the other personalities here as well. Um, I think we have a we were going through a transition anyways. We just finished our five-year strategic plan, which I was leading for the company um, over the fall. And I think what you'll see in that is that it's it's kind of amplifying more of what we do well and making sure that we um, address some of the things that we need to address. Um, so we talk about our biggest project has been... Um, biggest value has been the uh, new central library, $245 million. We're going to over $1.2 billion that we're overseeing over the next five years. That that in and of itself means that the company is going to change. So regardless of if the leader was the same or we have a new CEO, uh, you're going to see change. We have to grow to, um, to deal with that kind of uh, expansion. Uh, and what my goal will be is that we grow uh, in a smart way so that we're we find ourselves at the end of five years, um, not with a, a bloated group, but uh, a strategic group. Uh, I think what we do well here is we're really nimble, and we've got um, fast action, um, quick reaction uh, folks that are um, motivated to be here. I think everyone's kind of drank the Kool-Aid. They, they <laughs> like what they do, which is a great environment to work in. Um, but we have to make sure that we keep that nimbleness while still being able to deliver these big projects. We have really amazing partners that we're working with, but we have to deliver for them. So we have to make sure, I think that's my biggest challenge, is the, the making sure we get the staffing mix and size just right to be able to be effective. It's quite a quite a lot on your plate in the next... Uh... <laughs> Everyone keeps saying that. I just wish they'd stop, and then I just... Because the more you acknowledge it, the more my shoulders go up to my ears. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's very, it's very ambitious and exciting, of course. 
Um, I want to talk about a bit about the event center and arena because that's what's on everyone's minds. And uh, this morning was announced that the final agreements yes. have been signed. Exciting day. Hmm. Um, can you just, for listeners, give an overview of exactly what is contained in the cultural and entertainment district? Sure, I will. Uh, I will try to do that. Um, What's exciting about today, so you're right, the announcement for the event center, we've signed all the deals and a huge day for Calgary. We've been working on the master plan for two, over two years now and trying to figure out what what it is. What is that district and what could it be? And I think uh, I really appreciate the, the design team and our group and Stampede and Flames and all the, the residents and businesses that have worked together to kind of help sh- help us shape this. And it's not a plan that requires um, crazy planning moves. There's not huge diagonal cuts. There's not, you know, there's not canals flooding the streets. What we're trying to do is build off what's there and create really good connected, uh, a really good connected urban environment. So uh, we learned our lesson with this, the East Village that connectivity is really the first step to re- revitalizing an area. We were able to do the Fourth Street underpass, Riverwalk, mm-hmm. uh, the Traverse over to Inglewood really getting people, whether they're on bikes, on cars, by foot, getting people in. So we applied that same principle to the Rivers District. So one of our first moves is taking 17th across McLeod Trail, opening up that huge area to cars, peds, cyclists, get people in and moving through. That supports good retail at grade, that supports more active um, streets and less episodic moments in the development and more kind of daily daily moments where people are walking by. So 17th Avenue and then a new station at Victoria Park Station. Those will be That'll be one of our biggest infrastructure moves. To support that as well, we also have a 5th Street underpass planned for the area, which again allows more connectivity north-south. And then the two projects that we've just talked about, the event center, and also we can't forget about the BMO expansion. That's a $500 million expansion It'll be just under a million square feet of space when it's all complete in 2024. And I think it's a, it is interesting to note that it's quite unique in North America to be building and constructing both of these concurrently. And so what I said this morning, and I reiterate today, would be um, that these two buildings are really important, but it's the spaces in between that are going to define our success. So can we get people on those spaces? Can we get more retail uh, flowing out of those spaces? And how do those work collaboratively with big events and then everyday events. Right. Uh, there was a kind of a common theme that uh, those opposed to the project said that the Saddle Dome failed to create a vibrant area mm-hmm. outside of games and concerts. Uh, how will this project address those? I think that's, I mean, our, it's always great to have something that came before you that you know, it was great on a lot of levels in terms of every postcard had the Saddle Dome on it and it was kind of iconic, so people felt it was, there's a sense of pride about the Saddle Dome. But what the Saddle Dome doesn't do is really connect to the street and create more, as you said, more happening around it. So I think if we are to be judged at the end of this project, I think if we build a box with a rink in it, uh, and only that, then we won't be successful. We have to really figure out um, learn from other projects and, and try to make something that actually has a rink and it's got great sight lines, it's great for concerts, it's great for hockey, it's great for, um, uh, for the city, but it also has an edge that's really active and people when they're walking by on a normal day feel like they're in a cool environment. 
that will be really successful. And that's the trick. And people always ask, well, which is the arena or event center that you're modeling after? And I, I don't know if there is one that's absolutely perfect. And that's, that's exciting for us because then we can um, maybe be that, be that uh, new event center that cracks the nut and figures it out. And you mentioned that there were learnings from other projects that you will bring to these new projects. You mentioned the connect connectivity in particular. Mm -hmm. Are there any other learnings or takeaways that you would say will help on these projects? Oh yeah, I don't think anyone who's anyone who's listening who's involved in projects. There's not one project I've done that I've I wouldn't change a little bit. Um, I don't think it's realistic that you you should learn. And if it's perfect, then it's probably the third time you've made the same type of building. Um, so what's unique about all these projects is you'll never build the same, you'll never build that library again, you'll never build the National Music Centre again, you won't build this event centre or the uh, addition to BMO. So you're going to learn stuff through them. Um, and I think that um, most, most projects have things that we've looked at that, well, that's interesting, or, wow, we really have to avoid doing that. And I think it's funny that the things that we're learning sometimes really basic, like storage, you know, like anyone's house. You, if you get the storage wrong, your house looks messy all the time. Well, same thing for an arena. If you get storage wrong, your, your concert goers or your, your talent coming to the concert feel like they're constantly walking through chairs and, and tables. So um, the, all of, it's the nuanced small things that you don't think about uh, that really make a successful building because a, a successful building has to be successful for... Uh, the, the patron that comes and buys a ticket for the operator that's doing all the lights up above uh, in the rigging mats and uh, for the for the ownership group and for the city so there that's a successful building all parts need to go and each one of them has a different parameter for success so it's kind of balancing all of those things to figure out what the, the secret sauce is mm, an exciting challenge <laughs> it is <laughs> daunting and exciting it's good but yeah, it won't be just me figuring it out, thankfully. <laughs> Absolutely. What are you most excited about for the next for the next step as you become president and CEO? It's a good question. I think um, I'm most excited to see what it means. You know, I've, people have asked, you know, are you excited? And I am excited. Um, and I know it's going to be a lot of work. And like you said, it's it's daunting. And there's there's kind of it's ambitious. But I'm excited to see how I can do it a little bit differently. And, um, you know, I, I'm, ex I'm a mom and I have two uh, kids, 12 and 10, and I, I'm wanting to see how to lead with this ambitious project and also be uh, connected to my family, which uh, is really my priority one, <laughs> and uh, how I do that slightly differently, yet keep doing amazing things for the city. So I think that for me is at both times exciting and daunting. Um, and that's typically any time I've done something fun, that's usually the f those two emotions that I feel. Well, since you brought it up, how do you feel <laughs> about the term work-life balance? <laughs> oh, well, I don't, you know, the balance thing, I don't know if balance is uh, a, a fair term because you can feel unbalanced and still uh, moving forward. So I think you just each, it's a series, I think life is a series of choices. And so you have to keep making the choices that are right for you. And the choices that are right for me are probably different than the choices that are right for someone else. But um, I kind of, each each step along the way, what um, I try to make decisions that I feel good about and that both professionally and personally 
So um, I know I get, a, I, I get a lot out of my job. I really enjoy my job. I, I get to be surrounded by great people. Uh, and if I'm not, we, we change it. <laughs> so I do enjoy my work, um, but I love my family. So it's, it's a constant back and forth. But my kids also are constantly stealing candies from our office and running around here um, and a part of part of this work. So I, I see it more less as balance, work-life balance, than kind of life. It is my life. I've always been busy. I've been happier to be busy. I get bored really quickly. Um, just to be clear, I'm not bored right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing this, but it probably would be an equal amount of um, busyness. So instead of work-life balance, it's just what's Kate's life and what do, what do I need and what does my husband need and what do we, how do we both feel, you know, happy. Mm. And you mentioned you love your work and you love your team, and, but what, when maybe when you're feeling tired, what keeps you energized and keeps you going? You know, I get a lot out of, um, I, well, I need uh, to be inspired and have kind of big moments where I feel um, that I'm making a contribution. I hate sitting in a meeting where I don't need to be there or someone else has got it. Uh, feeling redundant is not something that kind of fills me up. I don't, I don't know who fills up, but definitely not me. So if there's, I do like solving a problem. So if I can sit in a meeting or uh, noodle through a problem and come out the other end with a solution, that kind of inspires me. Um, but also uh, I get really fueled um, by um, exercise and family. And so those two things, uh, and friends. So if I get some time with any two, any three of those or a combination thereof, I, I do find my weekends very restorative and you come back on Monday and I've kind of, my, my cup is full again and I can kind of go at it again. I, I read somewhere that you have a cabin that you visit. I do, weekends. yes. And that you built it yourself? Yes. Oh, good Good research. Um, well, not totally myself. My husband will laugh if you, if you say that. Let's be clear. It's the royal we. He did most of the work. And my father and my mom. Um, but, yeah, we. my, um, my in-laws uh, ha- purchased a place down in southern Alberta way back in the 60s. So I'm very thankful for that. But my husband and I, when we were dating, we um, uh, built a log cabin together. And uh, then... Over the last 10 years, um, as we got married and had children, we kind of finished step by step. Basically, every time my parents visited, it moved forward a little bit further. Uh, and yeah, it's we have cattle down there, which is always a surprising kind of twist. But my husband's family and cousins are um, from Pincher Creek and kind of live in that world. So we're, we're really lucky to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of our summer, fall, spring um, weekends are down there and it's it's a beautiful part of the country. I love it. Good way to unwind. It's yeah. fantastic. And you know what? My <laughs> We have no cell phone coverage in our little valley where our cabin is and my dad asked me once, he's like, do you want me to put up a, an antenna at the top so you can get reception? I was like, no, <laughs> no, please no. It's just great. So it, it is pretty nice to unwind and just hang out with the family. Nice. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. I think you asked some great questions. So Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem.
fabulous insight into not only some of the projects and their progress, but Kate Thompson herself, the new CEO of the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation. I especially like the tidbits about the cabin she and her husband teamed together to build. I could only imagine tackling a project like that with my wife. Love her to pieces, but not sure we could do it. Uh, At any rate, it was a great interview. I'm going to tease our next conversation uh, in our next episode, which we should have produced for you in the next couple of weeks. One of Calgary's hot topics in 2019 is development, and in particular, 14 new communities that were approved by City Council back in 2018. I sat down with Build Calgary CEO Brian Hahn to talk about the cost of those 14 new communities, how the city's going to pay for them, and why Build thinks they're needed. So don't miss it. In the meantime, that wraps up this edition of Common Ground YYC. I'd like to thank my co-host Sylvia Pical and of course Kate Thompson of CMLC. Catch you next time. The Common Ground YYC podcast is a production of Livewire Calgary. We are Calgary's people-powered news. To support us, go to patreon.com slash livewirecalgary.